I'm Judy Perlman, and this is Meet the Problem Solvers. On each episode, we bring on a guest, or sometimes more than one guest, to help us kind of unpack an important problem, sort through it, understand it better, talk about some of the solutions and some of the ways that uh, either the guest or somebody else deals with things. And then at the end of each show, we try to give ourselves some takeaways. What lessons can we take from what our conversation that we just had? So I'm here now with actually a very close friend of mine, Mark Alston Follinsby. Mark and I worked together for a number of years right around the turn of the century because we right. were in the middle of Y2K was this whole thing. Remember that? Mark Alston Follinsby and I worked together at Shelter, Inc. here in Central Square in the late 90s. We both left that and became executive directors at different organizations at about the same time. Understanding how challenging and difficult the jobs were, we agreed to meet regularly to support each other. And sometimes that was structured and we'd actually, you know, sort of say, I really need to talk something through. And other times it'd be a lot more casual. Mark has now been retired from his executive director position for over a year and is working part-time at the Community Action Agency of Somerville. So, Mark, the title of our episode is Nonprofit Leadership, Stories from the Front. And as we were talking about this, we kind of felt like in our general framing of like, what is the problem? What would you, why don't you kick us off into our conversation Thanks, here? Judy. Good to be with you. Uh, you know, I, I never wanted to be an executive director because all the examples I had of executive directors were such miserable human beings with oh. no balance in their lives. But I had been doing the same job for many years and I wasn't being challenged anymore. And when this opportunity came up at the Somerville Homeless Coalition, I went for it and uh, it was the best move I ever made. But I don't think you can know in advance, you know, what the job is going to be like. And in a lot of, in a sense, the job of an executive director is really impossible because you have all of these different constituents that you have to work with. You have to work with your board. You have to work with your funders. You have to manage the staff. Uh, you have to bring in money from you know, private and public donors. So it's, it's really a difficult job. And uh, for a long time, I thought I had a handle on what was going on. You know, I could see the issues that we were having. Uh, we had good ideas about how we could improve the work that we were doing, expand our services. But um, at one point, uh, after many years, and it was just, it was near the end of my stay, I was, uh, it was in the fall, it was November 5th. <laughs> of 2015, I got a telephone call from a board member asking me why our chief operating officer had a higher salary than mine. And I said, he doesn't. They said, well, we're looking at our audit and that's what the numbers show. So it took me a little while to figure out what was going on, but I quickly, you know, I realized that we had a problem. Somebody that I trusted uh, explicitly and partly because finance was never my strong suit, 
Um, and I was overwhelmed by all of the rest of the work that I had to do. And I depended, I trusted this person that they were doing a responsible job. Every year our audits would come back clean. The monthly reports to the board all looked fine. But the reality was he was embezzling money. And so the first thing I had to do was to fire him and then try to figure out how big the problem was and how we could proceed. Yeah, that I, I know. I remember we had lunch just a few days after that, and I had seen you, you know, maybe three or four weeks earlier, and your face was completely changed. You were drawn. You were gaunt. You were. You looked like you'd been, you know, hit over the head with a sledgehammer. And so I, I had been yeah. planning on retiring about this same time, a, a little over a year ago. But it was obvious after the two years that it took us to work through this crisis that I really had to retire. And uh, it took me a few months after I retired to realize how absolutely exhausted, yeah. physically, emotionally, spiritually, I was. And I think that that goes back to how difficult these jobs as an executive director are uh, and the need for us to get all the support that we can to make sure that we can do the best job yeah. that we're capable of. One of the things that I remember saying early on when I had become an executive director, and, and an executive director, just for people who aren't familiar with it, nonprofit organizations have their own, basically their own structure. They have a volunteer board of directors. That board of directors, among the things that they do is they hire and fire an executive director. The executive director then in turn staffs all of the executive parts of an organization, the staffing, and takes care of any facilities. So you're really, as an executive director, you're in that, you're really in the hot seat. And I remember saying to someone, having waitressed a lot, that to me, being an executive director was like a, being a being waitstaff, hmm. because you have to be aware of what's happening in all these different domains, the staff, the board, the funders, everybody, and you kind of want to keep them all happy. And if you're the kind of waitress I was trying to actually bet, get the biggest tips I could, I was trying to fine tune the way that I was dealing with sure. each of those constituencies. That is exhausting. It's very hard. And when everything is working right, you know, it was an exciting, manageable job. You know, we could see the good work that we were doing. Yeah. And then when you go through into a crisis, um, you know, it takes all of your energy and all the resources that you can pull together, you know, to, to survive it. You know, there were times in our experience where our cash flow, we, we had uh, all of our federal funding had been cut off because of the embezzlement. And it took us almost a year and a half to get it back. Um, so there were times when our cash flow was so bad that the board was like, you have to have contingency plans to, you know, shut down the organization. Wow. Wow. And I'm like, you know, here we've done all of this work to create these wonderful programs. We're housing a few hundred people. We're doing lots of good things in the community with homeless people and, and people who didn't were food insecure. And we're, we're not going to let it die, but it took all of our efforts yeah. and a lot of sleepless nights yeah. to work through it. 
I think that's true, that what happens as a nonprofit executive is you think you, you, things are going well. Things are going well inside the organization. Things are going well with your partners. And, your, and, and then all of a sudden, one day, your day was November, someday you get a piece of news that changes everything. And from that minute on, whatever your priorities were, however you were spending your time before that, it's like that was then, this is now, where do we go? And there's, at, at that time, it's like you don't know what you don't know. And so right. you're always wondering what the next thing is. In my case, um, I was also an executive director. The organization is called Housing Families, and it was based in Malden, Massachusetts. And the sudden lurch for me was not a crisis of that kind, but it was um, <laughs> getting a major affordable housing project funded. When, we, when I got there, a month after I became an executive director, they said, just put in this big proposal to the state. It was about this big. Don't worry, you won't get funded. You'll understand the project because they'll turn you down. They'll walk you through making it much stronger. So I was like, okay, I can package this up with tabs and all this crazy stuff. And I gave it no more thought. And then we found that we were, then we were, were alerted that we were funded. And all of a sudden it's like, bam, growth, complexity, all of a sudden we had two entities, hmm. each of which had, one was a for-profit that had particular financial conditions, and then there was our own little nonprofit, which had been fairly simple. We didn't have any federal money when I got there. It was just a state-funded organization. And so what I felt for the next three years or so was that I was constantly like huffing and puffing just to stay ahead of the curve. And I would get these emails that would say, you're out of compliance. You haven't filed form 82B. And I'd be like, what's a form 82B? And, and so I will say that there are a lot of lessons learned and there are solutions. And we're going to pivot to that in a minute. But I just want to say, this is Meet the Problem Solvers. I'm Judy Perlman. And my guest and friend uh, tonight uh, Mark Alston Follinsby, and we are talking about our respective experiences with nonprofit executive leadership. So I think you, you, you never really know what you're stepping into right. when you start a new job, and especially when you're assuming a leadership position. Um, the, my first experience when I got to the Somerville Homeless Coalition was to find out, and after being told by the board of directors that you know we were stable financially and all our contracts were in good shape, that in fact, one of our contracts had ended and there was no funding to continue one of our most important programs. So, you know, it's like you drop everything, you respond to the crisis, you pull in the help that you can. I mean, I think one of the keys for me was understanding, you know, what I could do, what, what do I know, what do, what do I not know, who can help me figure yeah. this out? Um, and we were very fortunate because this was a federal grant that we were able to get our local congressman, Mike Capuano, who's a you know great guy and great supporter, uh, you know, did his magic and it ended up okay in the end. Wow. But for the first few months of my job, you know, I was uh, stressed out, you know, fairly hysterical, figuring like how how do we keep this together? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that 
we talked about in preparation for the show is the other thing is like there are things that you're really good at that naturally flow. And as you said, finance wasn't your thing. So there's a balance that we have to create between getting someone who's really good at the thing we're not that good at, but also knowing that we have to maintain oversight. And mm. it's very easy to, to let that person take over that area because you have a lot of other fires. You have funders blowing up. You have program requirements changing. We were both dealing with homeless people in our facilities. That can lead to some pretty sudden, shocking things that take the attention of everybody, including the newspaper sometimes. So all of these things kind of can keep you off kilter, but and some of it really is you don't know something's wrong until it, or something's really different until something happens and then you're in recovery mode. Yeah, I think like with a lot of experiences in life, you know, you, yeah. you can't know what it's going to be like until you actually have to live it. But, uh, you know, if there's anything that I wish I had done differently, because I did hope that the, our COO was doing a good job and that, you know, I didn't have to worry about his work. You know, trust is built from experience and, and uh, you know, I'm naturally an optimistic, trusting person, but I made a mistake in not paying enough attention to all of the details. And as you said, it's hard because there's so much going on all at once that we're pulled in all of these different directions. Um, but there are important things like governance and like, you know, fiscal responsibility. Um, you know, I had somebody accused of sexual uh, misconduct. And, you know, it's like you got to drop everything right. and investigate it and figure out, you know, as best as you can what happened and what the solution should be. Yeah, I went through that, too. It was a very, very complicated. And one day the guy was sitting in my office, the lawyer from our board, the three of us talked for about an hour and a half. And at the end, we were like, you know, you this is not OK. Mm. You have to go. And he said, like, I understand. Mm. He wasn't thrilled, but he got it. It was hard, though. Um, so but we were talking about the solutions. Uh, yeah. What were you going to say? I'll come so back to you. I was going to go to a solution. Yeah, do it. <laughs> so I think that uh, because these are difficult jobs and because there's a lot, you know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, but it's really important to have support Right. like we had with each other, uh, so that you've got somebody to bounce things off of. You're not really comfortable talking to your board of directors, right? Uh, they're your boss. Right. Uh, you can't talk to the people underneath you. It's not yeah. appropriate. Um, and I found a whole network of nonprofit leaders that I could you yeah. know, find support from. And I I'm, I'm, have always been grateful that I found that early on uh, because... It, again, it's lonely at that in that kind of a position, and it requires a lot of support. Yeah, it and it is lonely. It, you're right. You can't you can't talk about the to the board about the problems with the board. Right. You can't talk about the staff well, to you, the staff. You better talk to the board about the problems with right. the board. <laughs> but when you just want to complain, you, that's, right? That's right. <laughs> you have to be careful how yeah. you do it. But yeah. uh, it's important to let them know that you know they're they're not functioning the way a board yeah. needs to be functioning. It's very difficult to get a nonprofit volunteer board, you know, to take responsibility right. 
for all of the things, you know, we were a small nonprofit with not enough capacity to get everything done. And so you've got to depend upon help from people like yeah. board members. And a lot of them, especially if you ask them to raise money, you know, or they like, change their phone number. That's really reluctant. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't want to ask my friends for money. That's right. You can ask my friends for money. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say also one of the things that where I kind of understood that I had come up against a, um, a barrier that I could no longer avoid was, I, as I said, the organization got a lot more complicated because we, we got the funding to build this affordable housing called Cross Street Housing, and that was all well and good. But the fact is, when I walked in as an executive director, the guy who was there as the finance guy said to me, like, day one, you need to understand something. Hmm. I'm already doing one and a half people's jobs because somebody else was here and she got fired. So this is not tenable. So I was like, okay, Bob, I hear you. And then in the way of these things, I, he was doing okay. So hmm. you go to where the other fires are. And meanwhile, it got more and more complicated and worse and worse. And he eventually did leave in kind of a huff. Hmm. But I remember being on vacation in a place in Maine that didn't have very good cell reception, being on my phone at the very edge of this meadow, talking to people who were left behind while I was away for a week. And it was just mayhem. People were so angry, they needed answers they didn't have. And at that moment, I made a I, I knew that I had to make a decision. And my decision was gonna either be to um, stop doing what I was really best at and loved most, which was external partnerships and mm -hmm. new program visioning and, and advocacy and all the collaboration that was sort of outside that I knew that I either had to turn inward and become someone who knew about health insurance and knew about withholding taxes and stuff like that, or I could kind of, on a prayer, bring someone in who would be really good at that stuff mm -hmm. and that hopefully that person and I would forge a partnership. And I was really lucky. I found this great guy, Jim, you remember him? Sure. And he loved all that internal stuff. So, in, but, but sometimes you get a chance to make a decision like that. In other cases, like yours, the decision is made for you. It's like, okay. Yeah, I think one of the real tragedies about nonprofit work is that, you know, the government wants us to take care of these social problems, but they don't fund us right. enough to do the job right. right. Uh, and to a great extent, they look at us as charity, even though, you know, we're really a small business and, you know, we have responsibility to our shareholders, to our consumers. And you, you can't operate on a wing or prayer. You've right. got to have money to do it. You've got to have money and you've got to have the skill and the systems to do it. I would say both in the aftermath of what happened with you and with the aftermath of building Cross Street Housing, there was so much attention on, on compliance mm -hmm. that it's sort of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You guys came out with much stronger financial management systems. Out of necessity because the HUD would not release our right. grant money until you know we put our house in order. But, uh, and, and so it's, it, it's reasonable that they want to make sure that we're being yeah. responsible. I would also say, though, that it's unfortunate that we have to spend so much of our time 
doing paperwork right. to maybe to justify somebody right. else's job, right. you know, in Washington when nobody really needs, you know, this kind of de depth uh, of reporting. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things when, when all the stimulus money came down, there were so many requirements on the nonprofits to document that the client was eligible, that was like this much paperwork, and that the cost was eligible. Yes, this was a rent reasonable apartment or whatever. And it's like, wait, the banks have like no accountability. So where's justice here? We're held to a different yeah. standard. Yeah. And you have to accept it. You know, it's like we need their money because right. nobody has got as much money as the government does to support the programs. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, I think, again, because we never have enough capacity to, you know, to do the jobs as well as we would like them to, or even lift our heads, uh, you know, above yeah. the, the chaos to try to look at the big picture and work with people to try to, you know, create some system change that would help everybody. You know, we could be yeah. more cost effective. We could be you know, more efficient in the work that we do, but uh, so much of our time is spent, you know, with these- Responding to fires. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Meet the Problem Solvers. My guest is Mark Alston Follinsby, and we're, this is Stories from the Front of uh, Nonprofit Executive Leadership. So in our remaining few minutes, I actually want to say something to you that I, about mm -hmm. how much I respected and admired the way you handled what you were handed by the fates. The openness and the transparency with which you told your story to your community partners, to your funders, to your board, to your staff. I mean, you were really classy. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, it took a little while to figure that out. And I was able to get some help from people with messaging. Um, you know, it's like a, it's a public relations disaster, you know, if yeah. this got in the news. and. Maybe some of you saw the article in the Boston Globe, was it two, a year and a half ago, uh, that talked about uh, fiscal uh, embezzlement in nonprofits and the Somerville Homeless Coalition was highlighted as an example. Um, so get out in front of it. it does, you're not, all you do if you, you're not transparent is create more problems for yourself. Yeah. So just be upfront and honest with people. I mean, I think that we were fortunate in that people understood and could see the work that we were doing and valued the work that we were doing and wanted us to get through the crisis. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy and not every nonprofit can survive it. I, I mean, I do think, Mark, because you had built so many great relationships because of who you are and because how you saw the relationship between the Somerville Homeless Coalition and its partners, people were ready to, to step in to help. Not every nonprofit does that. No, some are really either inward looking or they're just like looking in some other direction. You had a fabric of people who wanted you to succeed. Yeah. Uh, I th and again, we were, we were very we were, we didn't lose any funders. That's amazing. We didn't lose. I, I had I, somebody who who I love dearly, who had been the president of our board and was one of our major donors. You know, sort of told me how absolutely angry he was that we had you know misused his 
donation. Wow. Um, so you had, I had to listen to conversations like that. But he, he didn't leave us. Yeah. You know, and I think it was because we reached out. We were honest with people. We were transparent. We had a, when, when we talked to people about what had happened, we also told them what our plan was. Right, what you were already to, embarked on. We're, right. we're doing it, right. and this is where we're going, and, and we're going to make it. But um, yeah, not I mean, easy. And I think some of the other sort of the takeaways that we talked about that both of us, you have to own your own weaknesses or not weaknesses no. the reality is there are things you're really good at and the yes. reality is there are things you're not as good at so rather than pretending you have to compensate for that because you owe it to the organization you owe it to the users of services you owe it to your donors mm -hmm. and your funders so like i brought that guy in jim and the, and we were like a complementary pair but but there may be times we had a big racial incident hmm. we brought someone in the next day to sit everybody down and take it really, really seriously. You have to, so another takeaway is like, know what you can do yourself and know where you have to create a different kind of a response because you you have to. I think if, uh, if I have any skill at all, one of my skills is being able to find people that can compliment me, that can fill in yeah. those gaps. Uh, but it's really important to make sure that you've got a team that can manage everything because if you don't manage everything, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And you have to instill a culture of, of course, we're going to mess things up. Everything we do, we're trying it the best way, but we don't know the answer. And so if we mess it up, we need to own that. That's right. Take it upstairs, take it wherever we need to do. We need to be the agents of change. Mm -hmm. And I think we both have learned a lot. We did good, we did a good job. Thank you. It took yeah. its toll on me. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you. Yeah. It, it, uh, I have so much less stress in my life now not being an executive director, which is, I think, another takeaway for people that, you know, in, in those positions, it can be really lonely. It can be very difficult. And you've got to figure out ways to take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I didn't realize how stressed out I was for a few months after I left. And then yeah. I went, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it really was difficult. Yeah. Well, congratulations. You've survived. I've survived. Um, as usual, we wrap this up thanking everybody for joining us. This is Meet Thank the you. Problem Solvers. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you, Judy. Good to be with you. And I will say that uh, it was really fun this week because on our Facebook page where Mark's story was put there, there was some real give and take on the Facebook page, mm -hmm. and we want to encourage that. Thank you for writing if you did write. Thanks for putting in suggestions, and um, we'll look forward to being back together. For people who have been watching this on time or live streaming, I won't be here for the next two weeks. But I will see you when I'm back. Thank you. Thanks.